This is a, um, there's a few psalms like this. This is actually an, an what they call an acrostic psalm or an alphabetic psalm in the, in the sense that uh, after the first introductory verse, the rest of the psalm is laid out according to the Hebrew alphabet with each, each line um, starting with the successive letter of the alphabet all the way through. So I, I'm sure God orchestrated that uh, to help the, the Israelite people with, their, with memorizing this psalm. You'll see that it's a psalm um, for giving thanks. So I thought it would be appropriate for us to do today. It's a psalm of for giving praise to the Lord. It's, it's written, the psalmist, it's like he's a, a worship leader and he's, he's just calling on God's people to, to thank and praise the Lord. So that's what we want to do today. So I'd ask once again uh, for you to stand, please, for the reading of God's word. And please follow along as I read Psalm 111 now. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, in the company of the upright, in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Thanks be to God for his word. Please be seated. Well, the title of the sermon today is Thanking and Praising the Lord. Again, that's the theme of Psalm 111. And what a good theme that is, right? It is good for us to give thanks and to praise the Lord. God deserves our praise. God deserves our thanksgiving. And it's good for our soul to thank and praise the Lord. That's what we were created to do. That's what we've been redeemed to do. To bring glory to Him uh, through knowing Him and praising Him and living for Him. And I think about just, um, obviously there's a lot of, there's always a lot of hard uh, things in life. We live in a fallen world. We see sin and suffering all around us. We see it. Uh, remaining sin in us, it's easy to get discouraged. But yet, the, the Bible um, commands us and, and encourages us to actively choose to thank and praise the Lord. We are responsible for what we think about. We are told in Philippians 4.8 to think on what is, is good and, and pure and true and worthy of praise. And so what a, uh, what a good exercise for us to do today from Psalm 111 is to just intentionally uh, direct our, our thoughts, direct our worship to God, to thank and praise Him. So um, I want to go through, uh, the, the verse 1 is kind of an introductory verse, and then I'll explain um, how I'm going to uh, divide our time in Psalm 111 today. So let's look at verse 1. 
Again, you see the theme right off the bat, right from the first verse. The psalmist says, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, he says, in the company of the upright, in the congregation. So the psalmist declares that he personally is going to praise the Lord. And notice two things about his praise. First, it's going to be public. He says, uh, I'm going to do this in the company of the upright, in the congregation. He's saying, I'm going to do this with God's people. I'm, I'm going to do this in the midst of a gathered worship service. Obviously, personal private times of praising the Lord are important. We should be doing those all throughout the week. But that's not what the psalmist is talking about here. He's saying, I want to publicly praise the Lord with God's people, praising and thanking the Lord as well. He's going to praise the Lord in the midst of other believers. He's entering into corporate worship. And, and again, uh, the reason we think he might be a, a worship leader is because it's like he's not only declaring what he's going to do, but it's, it's like he's giving us many reasons to join with him in praising the Lord. It's like he's calling on God's people to praise the Lord. He wants God to receive praise from his people. And think about how beautiful corporate praise is, right? It, it, wasn't it lovely to, to, to stand in here today and, and sing those songs and just, you know, get used to the acoustics in the room? And, and whether they're good or bad, I don't, I don't know. I don't have an ear for all that stuff. But yet, I, I enjoyed hearing your guys' voices. It is good for God to receive praise from his people. We know how beautiful and vital corporate worship is. When God's people gather together to worship through song and and prayer and reading of scripture and preaching and, and observing the ordinances, God is glorified and we are blessed and encouraged. And I was reminded of what it was like when the COVID lockdown first happened, right? And we were, you know, we none of us knew what we were doing, right? We're let's flatten the curve, you know? And, and we, we didn't gather corporately. We, we went online for a, a, a few months, I believe. And we, we know how challenging that was, right? How much we missed it. Because we need this corporate praise. Um, our soul longs for the corporate gatherings of singing praises to the Lord Jesus Christ. So his praise here is, is public. And then secondly, I want to point out his worship is heartfelt. He says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. This psalmist is not giving half-hearted praise. He's not giving half-hearted worship. He's not saying, well, I'm just going to kind of go through the motions, mouthing the words while my mind is a thousand miles away. No, he says, I am intentionally and actively entering into worship of the Lord. He intends to worship the Lord with his whole heart. His whole being is going to be engaged in worship. That's the word that just came to me as I was, you know, studying this is he's engaged. He's engaged in worship. He's not thinking about what he's going to do after this. He's not letting other things distract him. He is focused on worshiping the Lord. What a, what, what a good reminder for us, right? What a good example for us. Do we come to worship the Lord with our whole hearts? Or is this just, again, just kind of a routine? And, and, you know, in one sense, praise God, it's a routine to come. But yet, let's not let it only be a routine, right? Let's come to worship the Lord. Are you often tired and distractive and passive in your worship? And, and may that not be the case. I know there's exceptions, you know, a restless night or whatever. But let's come planning on not being a spectator, but come to participate in corporate worship, 
right? To actively thank and praise the Lord. And again, we're talking about all the aspects and the singing and the reading and the listening and responding to his word, even in, in how we fellowship and encourage one another. That's, that is a way of glorifying God. So let's come prepared for worship. Let's come well-rested. Let's, let's come prayerfully. Oh, that we would pray before we gather. Lord, be glorified in this service today. Lord, tune our hearts to sing your praise today. May your word go forth powerfully. Pray for the preacher. Pray for the hearer. Let's get rid of distractions, right? Silence your phones and put them away. I would, and again, this is, there's nothing godly about this, I guess. This is just a personal preference of mine. I'd say, let's use a, let's use a hard back Bible, <laughs> you know? I mean, because, you know, if you're like me and you, well, of course, I've tried to pretty much silence all notifications on my phone anyways, or whatever, not even have them. But, you know, you're looking at, looking at okay, Psalm 111, then boop, oh, someone posted something on Instagram, oh, boop, oh, someone, you know, something's for sale on Facebook Marketplace or whatever, oh, boop, no. It's like, no, just... We have Bibles back there. Let's, let's do what, in other words, just do whatever you need to do to make sure you are focused on worshiping the Lord. And again, don't come as a spectator. Come to participate. Think about what you're, you're singing. Think about who you're worshiping, right? We are worshiping the, the eternal triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. The one who's given us life, the one who has died in our place. The one who gave you the new birth and, and dwells inside of you. And so God deserves our best. He deserves our worship. He deserves our thanksgiving. He has done so much for us. And so, again, that's our theme today. God, God wants to be praised, and, and that's our privilege and joy to do that. And so I want to study Psalm 111 under two headings as we think about um, Focusing on God as we think about thanking and praising God, okay? There, there's going to be two headings. Number one is consider his works. Consider his works. You want a reason to, to thank God? You want something that can help uh, stir your heart to praise? Because I know, you know, we, we, we are distracted people. We are, um, we are weak people, right? And so how can we condition ourselves to praise the Lord and thank him? Well, consider his works. That's what this psalm is all about, right? You probably see that in your heading. Great are the Lord's works. Because notice how many times you see the word works in the psalm. Verse 2, great are the works of the Lord. Verse 3, full of splendor and majesty is his work. Verse 4, he has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. Verse 6, he has shown his people the power of his works. Verse 7, the works of his hands. So the psalmist is calling our attention to the works of the Lord in order to provoke praise and, and thanksgiving from God's people directed to the Lord. So I categorize the works listed in Psalm 111. Of course, there's, there's a plethora of works we could praise God for, right? But, uh, you know, I just was trying to observe, well, what, what works is, is Psalm 111 talking about? And so I, I categorized them. And again, Primarily, these refer to God's dealings with Israel, but now as New Covenant believers on this side of the cross and the empty tomb, we, we can not only praise God for the way he dealt with the nation of Israel, but we can praise him for how these works have been fulfilled and how we've experienced them through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So first, his works of provision, right? We're praising and thanking the Lord as we consider his works in the first category of works, if you want to call it that. Provision, verse 5, he provides food for those who fear him. Let's talk about what fear means because we're going to see it again in verse 10, right? To fear God is to reverence him and obey him. It's to stand in awe of him as we sang. That's what fear means in, in scripture. Reverence and awe of who God is. And so verse 5, he provides food for those who fear him. And, and of course, if we're thinking about the nation of Israel, when do we think about God providing food for them? Right? In the wilderness, right? After they've been freed from Egypt and, and as they're wandering in the wilderness, God miraculously provided the manna every day for them. And, and, and perhaps, very likely, that's what the psalmist is pointing to. Of course, we can't say that all the nation of Israel feared God because many uh, grumbled against him. But nevertheless, the psalmist here states a blessed truth about God that he provides food for those who fear him. We could just step back and say God provides for his people, right? Brandon was just thanking the, the Lord for that as he led us in prayer. God provides for his people. So loved ones, consider the provision of the Lord. Think about how God provides for you, right? He's given you life. He's given you health and strength. He's given jobs. He's given family. He's given friends. He's given a church family, and then I was just thinking about, again, as we kind of start a new season here, I was thinking about how God has provided for AGC corporately during these COVID years. How, how Bruce and, and others just stepped right in to lead us in singing, how, how God raised up Caleb to record and stream the sermons and, as we were needing that. Uh, how God provided the Whitaker's place to host us in their backyard, how God raised up small group leaders for our new young adult ministry, how God has continued to provide Leanne to, to provide biblical counseling, how God raised up Candace to be the new secretary, how God has given many of us, probably all of us, health and strength and recovery from COVID, how God has provided comfort for us as we've grieved friends moving away, as we've, we've grieved the death of loved ones. God's been faithful to provide what we need in those, in those moments, right? God has provided jobs for many in our body who needed employment. God's provided new members. God's, God's restored marriages and families. God's providing stronger walks with God. And, and then once again, as we've been highlighting today, of course, God's provided a new place to gather. Praise God. He provides for his people. And again, the, the timing of it, right? I mean, we can, we'll, we'll always remember how he provided that place there on Mooney in, in such a, a miraculous way. What a blessing that was to be there for over a year. And now then the timing, you know, he provided this place to rent. Not to purchase, as we tried to do, but to rent and praise God. And um, it, it, again, in the, in the perfect timing of the Lord. I've heard from, um, from our, our, the owners here that uh, there's been, just in the last couple of weeks, I mean, there's been several churches contact them saying, hey, you know, can we rent from you? Can we rent from you? And they're, they're like, no, we, we've already got somebody. So praise God. And of course, as we think about God's provision, we have to, we have to, 
it culminates in. We have to rejoice and praise him for the provision of his son. God has provided his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins. And that leads to the second category of works that Psalm 111 describes. Redemption. We see this we see the work of God's work of redemption highlighted in the second half of verse 5. It says he remembers his covenant forever. And then verse 9, it says that explicitly he sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. And of course, the, the psalmist is recalling how God powerfully redeemed the nation of Israel from slavery in Egypt. And and think about that, through the mighty plagues and and the parting of the Red Sea, God delivered his people. Those are some mighty works, right? Those are some works to remember and praise him and thank him for. And then at Mount Sinai, God established his covenant with them, actually creating the nation of Israel. And he entered into that special covenant with him. Well then, again, likewise now as, as new covenant believers, we can... How much more can we thank and praise God for how he powerfully redeemed us? How he, remember, what does redeem mean? It means to, to purchase from slavery by paying a ransom price. And the Bible says by nature we are all slaves to sin. And so Jesus, our Passover lamb, shed his blood on the cross, paying our ransom price to set us free from the penalty and enslaving power of sin. We have been redeemed, loved ones. We've been redeemed. And now we belong to God as his dearly loved, blood-bought children. We've been delivered from God's wrath to come because Christ has borne it in our place. And now with the indwelling spirit of God, we can resist the devil. We can flee temptations. We can use, Romans 6 says, the members of our body to serve the Lord and bless others. We used to be enslaved to sin and all we would do is just try to gratify the sinful desires. But now that we've been redeemed, we can worship the Lord not only by singing to him but by living for him and pointing others to Christ. And having redeemed us, you know, you see those words covenant, covenant here in in Psalm 111. Having redeemed us, God has entered into a covenant relationship with us. Believer, you're in a covenant relationship with Almighty God. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, we are part of the new covenant where God has forgiven all of our sins, past, present, and future. And we all know him personally and where his spirit now lives inside of us, having given us the new birth and written his laws on our heart. And so, yes, God is our God and praise him for that. But even more than that, God is our heavenly father and he will be forever. What a mighty work. What a gracious work of redemption. Another category that flows right out of that we see here is he's granted us an inheritance. Verse 6. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. And again, we first think of of how this applied to Israel, right? God redeemed them uh, out of slavery in, in Egypt, led them through the wilderness, Gave them the law entering uh, Mount Sinai, entering into that covenant relationship with them. And then, what did he do? Through, through Joshua, he led them into the promised land. And that's what verse 6 is, is recalling. It's, it's recalling the, the conquest and how God uh, defeated the nations before them and gave them the promised land as an inheritance. But now, again, as new covenant believers, who's our Joshua? Joshua. 
the Lord Yahweh saves. It's Jesus. Jesus Christ. He has saved us. And he leads us to our promised inheritance. And what is that inheritance? Well, it's salvation. It's eternal life with God forever in glory. And even if you want to boil it down even further, our inheritance is God himself. I encourage you to go look at Romans chapter 8. Verse 17 says, Now we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Think about that. Our inheritance is, is God himself. A relationship with God. We're reconciled to God. We've been reconciled through his blood. We're adopted into his family. We're already indwelt with his spirit. So we've already gotten so many down payments of this inheritance already. But one day, we'll get to be in his glorious presence forever in the new heavens and the new earth. Not just in one strip of land, but the the whole earth. Our inheritance is God. As co-heirs with Christ, we'll get to rule with Christ and enjoy God forever in a perfect paradise. Isn't that reason to to thank him and to praise him? And again, as you read Romans 8, and it it talks about that, and it talks about creation's groaning and longing for this, and and we are too, and and it says, then then I, I, I consider that the sufferings of this age are not worth comparing to the glory that awaits us. And so, like I said earlier, yes, there, there's always plenty of pain and hardship that we could focus on. And, you know, we may wake up and, and be discouraged because of this or that or the other. But we have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to praise God for. Our salvation and, and the fact that we're already reconciled to God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5, and, and that we'll be with him forever. The last category of his works I want to point out here is the giving of his word the giving of his word in verses seven and eight look with me there the works of his hands are faithful and just all his precepts are trustworthy they are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness you see that's talking about his word his precepts certainly one of God's mighty works for which we can be thankful for is the the giving of his word Right? We may not think about that as much as we should. But praise God that he's not silent. Right? Praise God that he has made himself known through his word. The infinite, almighty God has revealed himself in words that finite creatures like, like us can understand and can read and can, can grow and know him better. I mean, think about that. There could be no more important subject There could be no more important thing to know than God himself. Who God is. How we can be reconciled to him. How he is to be worshipped and enjoyed. And the Bible tells us all these things. And and, and we can trust the Bible because it's true. Right? Isn't that what verse 7 is highlighting? All his precepts are trustworthy. God's word is reliable. What, What a precious gift this is. Right? I mean, there's a lot of misinformation out there, right? I mean, it's even been coined that way, right? Misinformation or fake news or whatever. But God's word is trustworthy. 
The Bible tells us all these things about, again, who God is and how we can know him and be, be reconciled to him and, and worship him, and we can trust it. It's true. We can trust what the Bible says about God and salvation and morality and judgment and eternity because God has spoken. What a gift this is. Not only is God's word trustworthy, but verse 8 reminds us it's eternal. Again, speaking of his precepts, verse 8 says, they are established forever and ever. God's word does not change and it will not fade away. God has preserved his word throughout the generations and it will forever remain. 1 Peter 1.24 says, the grass withers, the flower fails, or falls, excuse me, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. What a precious gift we have. God's word and the truths it proclaims will last forever. So let us thank God for his word. Where would we be, loved ones, without God's word? Without the word of God, we would still be lost. We'd still be separated from God and headed for hell. Without the Bible, we would still be enslaved and blindly following the sinful course of this world. Without the Bible, we would be without God and without hope. Mired in the deceit and futility of this fallen word, world. But God has given us his word, which points us to the living word, the son, the, God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, none of those things are true about believers anymore. Through his word, we can know God. We're reconciled to God. We can enjoy God and grow closer to him. And with the Bible, we can know Christ and we get the privilege of making him known to others as you seek to disciple your family, right? As you seek to be a witness to your coworkers and neighbors. What a gift. The word of God. And God, through his word, gives us comfort for our afflictions and strength for our trials and hope for our future. So again, we're just talking about tuning our minds and hearts to thank and praise God. And if you want something to praise him for, praise him for uh, revealing himself in his word. Praise him that we have copies of his word. So readily available in paper and, yes, electronically, right? Many people still don't have his word, but we've been blessed. And so that was the first heading Consider his works. We give thanks to God for his works. As we consider what God has done, there are so many things to thank him and praise him for. And so let us do that. Let us thank and praise God for his works, for his provision, for for giving us redemption and inheritance and his word. And so again, Christian, to stir your heart up for praise and thanksgiving to God, consider his works And then secondly and finally, consider his character. Consider his character. Our second and final heading this morning, under this theme of thanksgiving and praising God, is consider his character. And really, think about it, you'll see this in the psalm, this flows right out of the first one, doesn't it? God's works reveal his character, right? I mean, just like creation displays God's majestic power and beauty and wisdom, Likewise, all of his works point to who he is. So, in exhorting us to thank and praise God, Psalm 111 not only calls us to consider his works, but also consider the God behind those works. Consider the character of the one who has done those works. 
And so Psalm 111 highlights specific attributes of God for which we can praise him. And I'll just try to go through these quickly. I mean, each one of these could be its own sermon, right? First, God is majestic and righteous, verse 3. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. God's works show that he is powerful and majestic, right? We think about the plagues. We think about um, parting of the Red Sea like we talked about earlier. We think about providing the manna. We think about Jesus dying on the cross and rising again, defeating sin and death. Oh, how that shows the power of God. His works show that he's powerful and majestic, but notice this. Verse 3, his works also remind us that he is righteous. God is righteous. He always does what is right. He acts according to his holiness. And, And this word righteous also carries the idea of God upholding his holy name. Okay? Catch that. God upholding his holy name. So you'll see... In the Bible, especially in the Psalms, David or other psalmists saying, God, deliver me by your righteousness. Meaning, God, save me, not because I deserve it, but save me for the honor of your name. That's what it means, right? God, you have committed yourself to us. We are your people. So now rescue us for the sake of your name, for the sake of your honor. Throughout Scripture, God's works show us that God is powerful and then He wields that majestic power to save His people for the honor of His name. Praise God. He always does what is right. And He'll always be faithful to His people because His righteousness endures forever. Again, what a reason to thank and praise God. God is, you see what this means. God has graciously committed himself to us through the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that, believer. God is committed to you. God is faithful and righteous. He will deliver us. He will keep us, as we talked about last week, I believe it was. He will keep us, preserve us for the sake of his name. Because his righteousness endures forever. So praise God for his power and his faithfulness to us. So God's works not only show that he's majestic and righteous, but also, secondly, that he's gracious and merciful. Verse 4. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. I mean, the psalmist just says it explicitly. The Lord is gracious and merciful, full of compassion. I mean, who are we? That we should be God's people. Who are we that God should have given his only son to save us and make us his own? By nature, scripture says we are sinners and rebels. By nature, we do not obey God or honor him. By nature, we do not thank God and give him the praise he deserves. Rather, we seek to live for ourselves. We stubbornly go our own way forsaking his holiness and so for our rebellion we deserve God's just punishment having sinned against almighty God we deserve to be separated from him forever in hell right that's what each one of us deserves but God is gracious and merciful 
praise God that he is, right? God is gracious and merciful, loved ones. Rather than leave us in our sin, rather than leave us headed for the punishment that we deserve, God chose to save us through his son, Jesus Christ. He chose to save us for the glory of his name and for our eternal good. On the cross, Jesus suffered and died, bearing the wrath of God for our sins. And then on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead in victory, showing that God's wrath had been completely satisfied, that the sin debt of his people had been paid in full. Think about that. The sin debt has been paid in full. That means that everyone who turns from their sin and trusts in Christ alone as Savior and Lord will be saved. So Christian, think about what that means for you. Right? You want a reason to thank and praise God? You are forgiven. You are forgiven. You will never face God's wrath because God is merciful. You are loved by God and you'll be with him forever because God is gracious. So let us thank God for his mercy. Let us praise him for his amazing grace. Thirdly, under this heading of consider his character, God's works show us that God is faithful and just. Verse 7. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. And again, the, the works reveal the character, right? The reason the works of his hands are faithful and just is because he is faithful and just. God is just. Having punished Christ on the cross for our sins, he will not punish us who are in Christ as well. God's wrath against our sins has been completely satisfied by Jesus. Oh, what a blessed truth. We'll never face his wrath. God is faithful. Like we said earlier, having graciously committed himself to us, we didn't deserve it, but he chose to do that. And now having done that, God will be faithful to us. He will never leave us or forsake us. Great is his faithfulness, as we sing. And again, as you're thinking about how to stir your heart to praise God, just think about how faithful he has been to you. I quickly tried to recount, you know, just the summary of us as a church, right? But we each could just share our, our whole story, how God's been faithful to us, right? All that I've needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness. And what did I need most of all? I needed my sins forgiven. I needed new life. I needed reconciled to God. And he's provided that through Christ. So let us praise him and thank him for his faithfulness. And finally then we see in verse 9 that God's works show that God is holy and awesome. (laughs) Don't you love verse 9? He sent redemption to his people. He's commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Having considered God's works and God's character, the psalmist appropriately concludes, holy and awesome is his name. God is holy, meaning he is set apart. 
His works show that he's in a class all by himself. No one else could have displayed such power and majesty. No one else is so gracious and merciful. No one else is so faithful to his people and his promises. Our God is an awesome God. He's awesome in love. He's awesome in power. He is holy. And so let us praise his holy name. And again, that's where the psalmist ends in verse 10. He concludes with this call for awestruck praise. The fear of the Lord, verse 10, is the beginning of wisdom. Remember, fear is being in awe of him. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. To fear the Lord is to be in awe of him. It's to recognize what he just said in verse 9. His holiness. Right? To fear the Lord is to recognize God's holiness. To recognize that he alone is God. And to recognize that we will all stand before this holy God. That's something we need to be sober-minded about, don't we? And again, if there's, if I could speak to my non-Christian friends who are listening today. Do you realize that you will stand before Almighty God? We all will. We'll all stand one day and personally stand before God, our final judge. And so that realization should cause us to cry out to God if we've not done so already. To cry out to God for mercy, knowing that I've sinned against him. That's the appropriate response. That's the right response. And praise God, as we've seen, he's gracious and merciful. God sent his son to rescue sinners like you and me from the eternal punishment that we deserve. And the Bible says that everyone who turns from their sin and believes in Jesus Christ will be saved. And so if you've not done so, I urge you to forsake your sin. And by faith, embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior. And God will graciously forgive your sins. He will forgive you. He will make you his child forever. And then you can join the congregation. You can join the company of the redeemed in giving thanks and praise to him forever. And so as we close, believer, consider God's works and consider God's character. Think about his majesty and power. Meditate on his grace and mercy. Recount his righteousness and faithfulness. Holy and awesome is his name. That should be our, all of our response, right? Holy and awesome is he. Oh, Abounding Grace Church, let us be a church that thanks and praises the Lord. Every week as we gather, may we offer up heartfelt praise to God. May we continually stand in awe of God and worship him with our whole heart. And may we be a thankful church. May praise and thanksgiving be quick to flow from our lips on Sundays and throughout all the week. Let us daily spend time with the Lord in private devotion and worship. Let us daily thank the Lord for his many blessings. And think about what will happen as you do that. God will be glorified. And as you thank and praise the Lord, your heart will be filled with joy 
and others will be drawn to Christ and God will be glorified even more. So let us thank and praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we do give you thanks and we give you praise, Lord, for all that you have done and for who you are. Oh, how we need to spend much time this week just meditating on these works and meditating on your attributes. Lord, you have been so good to us. Thank you for choosing to show us mercy and grace. Thank you for powerfully saving us through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us and adopting us. Thank you for the promises. And we know you are faithful to your promises that will be with you forever. Forgive us for times when we too grumble. Forgive us for times when we lose sight of, our, of the many blessings, Lord. And, and I thank you for the work of your spirit. I see it in the, in the lives of the people that, that you are uh, producing much fruit of thankfulness and praise in them. And may that fruit just abound. And help us to, to give you heartfelt worship when we gather and also throughout the week, Lord. We need your grace and help. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and, and continue to worship the Lord and give thanks to him.